Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode, the Keep Sell Loan series moves on to the midfielders. And this episode, we also have an interesting goalkeeper update. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in the virtual room filled with some lions. I've got Ollie, I've got Chris, and we've also got a special guest. It's a storm. We've got a thunderstorm here. Whoa! It's a it's a pelter out there. Anyway, that's 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 boring. That was just my little segue. If you hear bang, lightning, anything you hear, you can't hear lightning. Anyway, I'm rambling, but that's why. All right. So, what what we will highlight from the weekend, team? Uh, you know what? I don't think I have much of a highlight from the weekend. I uh, I, I spent most of it doing absolutely nothing at all. Um, so you know, like. Guess just one of those lazy weekends. So, uh, guess it was nice to have a rest. But I'll go with that. Hey, look at that! You got to, you got to relax. You got to get the, you know, the the energy back for the podcast. That's what you were doing. Absolutely. You know, yeah, that's what happens is is I do the pod on Friday and then it drained. just drains me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like like this season, <laughs> like this season, being a Chelsea fan just drains you every every damn game. Exactly. What What about you, Chris? I was like, I'm like Ollie. I'm, I'm recovering. I was recovering from Friday's pods, ready for this one. <laughs> I, I, I actually did nothing all weekend. It, it was too hot. It was too hot to do it, anything. It, it was. It was pretty. It's damn that hot. classic British thing, isn't it? It's hot. Oh, it's well hot. Might be too yeah. hot. It's too cold <laughs> now. It, it, it was too hot. I, I like the heat, but not this heat. Not this kind of yeah, heat. I mean, I, I didn't head to the cinema. I, I did get to bake up some top tier cookies. They're top tier because that's where I had to store them. Otherwise, I'd have eaten them all. So I, d- I did also watch, actually saying that, I did watch that movie, Big George Foreman. And on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics hated it. The audience scores were 96. I have no complaints. Two hours. I learnt stuff. Learned that Foreman made more from selling his uh, grills and being a boxer. And apparently, I love this, I wrote it down just so I'd remember. At his peak, he was earning $4.5 million a month from sales of his grill. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I ha- I do have one. I do have one. It's been a good year for boxing movies as well. You got that and Creed Three, so either of those. I really, I wish I had a George Foreman grill. You, you know, whatever, whatever that four million plus, uh, is a month, add like whatever the cost of one grill. They're good. Is They're that, good because I might, I might go for one. They're on Amazon and other retailers are available. So yeah, what, how about we hit some news? So on Friday, Chelsea confirmed the signing of the Champions League winning midfielder, Katarina Macario. I hope I got that pronounced properly. Uh, from Leon, three-year deal. Big summer big summer ahead for Emma Hayes' side, because obviously Peniel Harder and Magdalene Eriksson recently departed to join Bayern Munich. So Katarina, she did sadly sustain a ruptured ACL last June, and that's ruled her out of obviously the most recent season. Also means she's not going to be at the World Cup this summer. Uh, that injury has hardly impacted the hype, though, surrounding her because Barcelona were interested. Blues won that race. Chris, you know the women's team better than most on this show. Is she the perfect replacement for Harder? Yes, I would say so. Uh, Harder's 
going to be really difficult to replace. But if you look at signings that was available, I, I'd say she, I'd say she's up there. She's very versatile, a bit like Harder was. I think that's probably the mm. key in the signing because um, Harder didn't really have a set position. She could play as a ten. She could play as a nine. She could play out wide, and she's very much similar to that. She she can play either of those positions really, and I think she's she'll be a perfect person to either partner Sam Kerr if if Hayes mm. wants to go that way or. Uh, so Kerr can get a bit more of a rest because we did get lucky this year as when we let Beth England go that Kerr mm. didn't get an injury, especially while Harder was still out. So I do think in, in, increasing the squad depth in those forward areas was crucial this summer. Mm. I mean, what you saying about injuries, what blew my mind was that five of the 20 nominees for the 2022 Ballon d'Or, like, so I, I pull up the names, Alexia, Petulus, Beth Mead, Vivian, Midema, uh, Katerina herself and Marie Antoinette Catot probably pronounced that terribly apologies uh, they all suffered ACL injuries last year and upon researching into this because obviously it was like, oh, that seems to be a, a, an interesting trend here apparently I found that female footballers are actually up to six times more likely to suffer an ACL injury um, yeah. there hasn't there hasn't really a reason they've not nailed down a reason just yet uh, I did find a, the senior lecturer in sports rehab at St Mary's Uni in London she pointed out that women's feet differ from men's in shape and volume and said there's a risk of injury from ill-fitting boots, which can squeeze the foot in unwanted places. I Hope wonder that. if it's also something to do with like the explosiveness needed and like the the mm. like the muscle, the, like the, the level of muscle that you have in your legs, you know, like I, I don't know some of the, that generally speaking, I think uh, women tend to have a slightly more athletic build on the bottom half. And, it's, um, yeah, it's so intriguing. And, you know, like you look at like someone like like Reese James, for example, he's very sort of built all over, but on the bottom half of him is where he has a lot of his issues because with because of his explosiveness. So I wonder if it's anything to do with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it'd be not to say that I know more than like that professor or whatever. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, we know, we know. I mean, hopefully, the more research that goes into this, the sooner we have an answer and a solution to just reduce that risk because you, we, that that is a scary trend we're seeing. Well, it's a career ender, isn't it? Like, I you mean, know, if you if you get a bad enough ACL, it's a career oh, ender. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking about career-ending injuries there. We move to Loftus-Cheek. It's moved to... He hasn't had a career-ending injury, thank, thankfully, but he had a... Not another one, at least. A career-changing one, almost. I mean, his move to Milan's fell through because they fired Maldini. And they are interested, though, in Carney Chukwameka, which... Oh, wow. I, I didn't see that coming at all. Thoughts on that potential move? Daft. Yeah, it's weird word. that. It's, it, well, it's it, just it, like if you're gonna buy if you're gonna buy someone for twenty million who is gonna be in and around the first team, why would you then sell them next summer anyway? Yeah, especially yeah. when he's barely played. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and he has looked good when he has played as well. A hundred percent. I mean, if he does look, if he heads to AC Milan, he will become for me just another player on their roster. I mean, squad depth essentially. You know, he deserves to be loaned out if he's going to be loaned out to a side that views him as an important member of the squad you know it's yeah. it's it's i just it's 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 likely that he won't get as much playing time as he should in milan i mean i looked at last season pioli permanently benched adil Ad, adley sorry um yeah. despite that dude having quite a respectable league one season previously and he's also a player for milan therefore they clearly have an interest to see him succeed yet yeah, nope 
he warmed that bench in ways that made Scott Carson proud. So, yeah, and, it, and that's what concerns me, you know, like it just seems that, and it also, you know, it's it's kind of a red flag from the club as well. If we do sell him like less than a year after buying him, I mean, know, a promising, uh, promising player who's looked, who's looked good that there's no reason to sell him. You know, if, if anything, he's the exact, I know we have to make, you know, we, we need some outgoings this summer, but that's not the kind of outgoing we need. I mean, if it's a loan, uh, I'd be I'd be still wary because if Pioli doesn't like Carney, he doesn't see any minutes. He doesn't. We know that. Uh, finishing off the news, huge, huge goalkeeping update. Mainly because I literally had to write it out just before we came on air because I didn't notice all of this that just literally came out of nowhere. Uh, we're stepping up our pursuit of Inter Milan goalkeeper Andre Anana. They've apparently settled on Anana as their primary target and now set to reopen dialogue with Inter. They want 50 million. There were some alternative options mentioned, which I was so happy to see. Georgie Mamadashvili. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, I said this. I said this Friday. Also, Gregor Koble and David Raya. Now, I I feel he's going to go to Spurs, but hey, who knows? Uh, Poch apparently is likely to be asked, though, whether he'd object to starting the season with Kepa as number one. There are a number of options still believed to be open. Any thoughts on the goalkeeping situation? Um, I think Manyan's probably. I know, um, and we'll give Anana his flowers because he was very good in the um, in the Champions League final. But um, I do think Manyan's a better keeper with a better with a high ceiling, um, and he's both. not that much more expensive. So I feel like really, if you're going to be going for a keeper, it probably should be him. I feel like you know that Anana is like the achievable backup option, which would be like just about acceptable. But mm-hmm. Manyan or someone of that vein is is kind of what we should really be looking for. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think, Chris? What do you think? It's tough because I think that all of those goalkeepers that you just mentioned are, are an upgrade on the keepers we've got now. But I'd still is say... Is an upgrade? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not complete. I'm not completely sure what all the hype is about David Raya. To be honest, I think he had an okay season at Brentford. I don't think he was. Yeah, I think it'd be a lateral that move. Good. I think that. Yeah, um, but like the others are an upgrade, but I still think they fall short of elite level goalkeepers. It just feels like we're upgrading for the sake of it. Mm. Uh, I can understand maybe with someone like um, the Valencia one. Um, because he's quite young, especially for a goalkeeper. Uh, but Onana's like twenty-seven. Yeah, twenty-seven. He's mid to late twenties, isn't he? So he's not going to get necessarily better. It's not necessarily a bad thing to have someone with that kind of leadership and experience in the squad. But it's just like you need someone who's also going to back it up with elite level performances if you're going to get someone like that. I mean, David Raya did finish. He technically finishes third in the Premier League clean sheets. I say technically because there are three players above him in joint second place. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much fifth. But I think it, with, well, I think it's hard with goalkeepers, though, because I don't think you can put too much stock in clean sheets. Clean oh, yeah, sheet David De Gea won the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, do you club. remember, I don't know if any of you remember, like a few years ago, well, I say a few years ago, it's probably, it's probably over 10 years ago, when Edwin van der Sar went on like a 14-game streak of not conceding a goal. I can tell you for oh, a fact that was minimum 10 years ago, yes, Chris. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right? feel, I'm quickly checking he, to I, see. But... I swear I swear, he went, uh, it, it, it was something anyway, double figures of games without conceding a goal. And it was like, 
a lot. He, he only made like average, like two saves a game, though. So it's like, man. Eh. <laughs> I mean, he was a brilliant goalkeeper. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just using that as an example that goalkeepers can keep clean sheets when they don't have to do anything. So it is, it is a bit. Yeah, it's a funny judge thing a keeper for... purely on clean sheets. It is oh. a funny thing, isn't it? Because you could lose a game 4-0 and a goalkeeper actually have an excellent game like without yeah, it. It could have been 8-0. Exactly. But I mean... at the same time, you get a clean sheet and that's what, you know, and the goalkeeper's barely had to do anything all game because the defence has done its job. I mean, yeah. we you know, had some world-class goalkeepers in the Premier League. I mean, I've pulled up, I think this is the campaign Chris is referring to, 08-09, Van der Sar had 21 clean sheets, Reina had 20, yeah. Petr Cech had 19. Oh, Wow. Oh, that no, the, the three greatest goalkeepers of a. You forget how good Rayner was. I think many yeah, do. Yeah, he was. He was. He was pretty damn well. good. So, so on Friday we did kick off our annual Keep Soul Loan series, discussing which of our roster we're going to keep from the class of the previous season. Um, keep Soul Loan, pretty much. Uh, we discussed goalkeepers and defenders back then. So, if you haven't checked that out, pause this, go back, have a listen, rejoin us, get your catch up in. Uh, so we're moving to midfielders. Arguably where we need to perform a huge rebuild. You had Jorginho leaving in January. We're, we're looking set to lose Kante and Kovacic this summer. I say lose, more like probably smile and thank them for what they've done. Because it does sort of seem right now is the perfect time to let them go. I mean, that's that's kind of that's kind of my take on it. So look, we'll go through the main names on the roster because if we don't, we will all miss work tomorrow because it does feel our squad is endless, isn't it? it is it's true it's true so we've got Enzo Fernandez I think we can all agree here we're selling him um we're going to keep him obviously Uh, Chris Wood wouldn't you Chris you hate Enzo (laughs) he hates everyone no I don't no uh (laughs) I would keep Enzo but I would say oh no I I would I I do need to see more from him next year I think yeah I've cut him some slack because I I I don't think we're using him correctly yet I don't Mm. think he's got the right partner but if he had the same season next year as he's had since he joined, he he. I would be saying then that he wasn't worth the money that we paid. I mean, we've got to build around him. I mean, his his career's gotten off to a quite an outstanding start. I mean, I've got stats to back this up. Hang up. I mean, yeah, well, World Cup by the age of what twenty three is not bad, uh, is it? Yeah, and with yeah. stronger and more experienced players around him, he should just do much better next season. And yeah. a quick stat before we move on: amongst all midfielders in the Premier League this year. Enzo ranks in the 99th percentile for the following. Progressive passes, passes completed, passes attempted, total passing distance, progressive passing distance, passes completed, medium and long. Wow. That's, that's, I'm hyped for next People like to give them the ball. I think that's clear. They do. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. So definitely leaving. We'll go for those. We've got Angelo Kante and Dennis Zakaria. Uh, Kante on his day is obviously one of the world's best midfielders, but look, sadly... As we have mentioned, ah, oh, the last time Kante made over 35 league appearances in a single season was 18-19. I love him. He is a legend, but the best ability is availability. And it does not make financial sense to hand an injury-prone player a lucrative 290k per week contract. Any thoughts on that? I think he's still gone, though. Yeah, I, I think it, he's probably, you know, at, at this point, I think it, it's kind of a moot point, but I would personally keep Kante, but that's for sentiment alone. And I understand that's there's no place for that in sport, really. No, no. Uh, yeah. Z- Zachariah, his loan's ended. We're not activating the option to buy. No surprises. Where, when given the chance to play, he did have some promising moments. Fair play to him. Give him his flowers there. But due to a, a huge amount of arrivals in January, players coming back from injuries and the coaching change, just didn't work out for him. 
uh, here's one. I wonder who our next random midfielder on loan signing will be. Oh, I can't wait. I, my my uh, guess is Adrian Rabio on bed. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking Rabio. <laughs> I yeah, mean, someone, someone like him, or you I mean, know, like McTominay yeah. or something like that. Like I mean, someone, someone random and crap. We've done, <laughs> we've we've done La Liga, we've done Syria, so maybe Bundesliga. I'm thinking Gio Reyna from Dortmund. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could yeah. you could see it, you could see it. Uh, right, first name up that we've got to be serious with. We got we got Ruben Loftus Cheek. Keep, sell, or loan. I would personally sell Loftus Cheek, right? And here, bear in mind what I said earlier about sentiment. Uh, I would sell Loftus Cheek because once we have a new midfield come in, he's probably going to be like minimum fifth choice midfield. He does a job out at wing back, but you know he's going to be third choice wing back if if Reese and, and Malagusto are fit. So he kind of like there's a point in which like for the money we're actually paying him, it's not really worth having him around anymore. Mm. Um, I know that sounds harsh, but just given the spaces in the squad, I, I don't think he's got enough to offer us going forward. And I, I don't mean that as in attacking, just, you know, for the future. Yeah, I can see your point. What about you, Chris? Uh, I would sell also. Uh, I just, I think it feels like the right time to part ways with Loftus-Cheek. I, I, I do think sometimes, though, he's another player who suffers from being English. In a way, because mm. I think last season when he played, actually, he very rarely um, had a poor game. But I feel like, especially fans in this country, they hype players a bit more if they're foreign. And I just think with him being English, he, it was always a little bit like, ah, oh, yeah, he, he, he was OK. Whereas I think if he was a foreign player, people are talking about, you know, if he had a Brazilian name, I think people would be talking about keeping him. I but I do think, as versatile as he is, if we want to rebuild the midfield, we've got to ship out most of them, really, I think. And yeah, I, I, I do think, think he's one the of them thing. to go. If you're looking for a rebuild, he can't be part of it, surely. I the, mean, the new look midfield. Yeah. I've got I've got Sell. You know, the Milan deal's collapsed. Uh, I, I just do not see a place for him on our roster. I mean, look, he's versatile. We have touched on that. And he is. You know, he can play wing back, holding mid, central mid. He's also played centre back in the FA Cup. That was against uh, Luton. But a sale would just seem listed as pure profit on the books due to obviously being homegrown. And it's difficult because he never seems to kick up a fuss. He does his job, whatever he's tasked to do. He's out of contract next year, though. A sale, it's smart. Yeah, get some money for him and also let him go play somewhere and enjoy his football, yeah. you know, rather yeah. than sitting on the bench at Chelsea for the rest of his career. Yeah. You know, like somewhere like I know we were talking about Italy before, or, you know, in terms of potentially Lazio or, or Milan, and although that's looking less likely now. But, mm. it, you know, somewhere in like Italy, I think it would really cater really nicely to yeah. his skill sets. You know, he, he's quite a physical presence. He doesn't have a huge amount of pace but he doesn't need it in the Italian mm. league it's more about control and and you know and his finishing when he gets on form is really good yeah so he could do a really good job out there I mean we move because we're how we're going to partmentalize this we've got anyone who plays on the wing you they're going to be forwards because it's just easier so yeah. we move to a player that could kind of do both roles here but Mason Mount because he does play everywhere, so I'm putting him in here because we're going to have too much on Friday. So keep settle alone. Oh, this is going to be spicy. I would personally keep Mason Mount, um, mm -hmm. only because I think it. He, we probably won't be able to get someone for a similar cost 
who like you know, for a decent ish cost who's who's better than him at, at this point in the in the in the squad especially when we're going to drop money on Caicedo and so you know but at the same time like for pure midfield I'm not that fussed but I would keep him if if it were up to me hmm. um what do you think Chris uh oh uh, it's really tough but I I would only keep him if his wage demands came down and if they mm-hmm. don't then I'd sell because he's not worth that amount of money Every week. I, I, this is my. I'm going to throw this play into the book on Mount. I mean, he is he's a Pochettino player. He fits perfect with our new head coach's high press strategy and having his players like maintain that high work rate. The primary complaint of Mount was that he lacks a bit of creativity. But if it's assumed that the right structure will improve that performance more than anything on like the players' end then he has to remain on this roster. I mean, look, this take is purely based on his input on this team under Pochettino. There's no outside influences such as United, money, etc. They're not taken into account here. I'm going based on purely what he could bring to this side under our new head coach. Based off that, I do say keep. Based off that alone. Oli had a question sent to him. In regards to Mason Man, it was, why has every bit of news about Mount gone suddenly quiet? Yes, that was from um, that was from Kavanagi in the Discord. And if you do want to ask us questions for these episodes, do send them in on the Discord because we do read them. Yeah, exactly. We don't always accept them. I mean, why do you think it's gone quiet? I don't know. I really don't. I have no idea. Like usually, when things sudden after there's a lot of rumors and things suddenly go quiet, it usually means things are progressing and something's potentially happening. But in this kind of situation, with the where it was left most recently was basically. You know, Chelsea saying stump up the money United or you're not getting him. Mm. Maybe that's just where things are at right now. You know, maybe there there is no approach from Man United yet. Well, one, because the window's not actually open, but two, you know, because there's you know, it's it's just they're considering their options. Yeah. We've kind of given uh, Man United a bit of an ultimatum. So I guess we'll see. Exactly. Um yeah. Anything to add, Chris, before we move on? I think maybe it's gone quiet because all those journalists who keep telling us about it realize how bored we all are of it <laughs> only a month too late <laughs> that's so true that is so true uh we haven't heard much about this particular player connor gallagher i mean there was a lot of talk that we had agreed a 40 million fee with everton that was back in january but connor said no to that move wanted to prove himself at chelsea i, I love that attitude for sure I mean, given that this is Gallagher's first season playing at the club's senior level, you know, he's actually had a reasonably good season. Uh, look, the, the extreme instability surrounding this team can't have been an ideal situation to be parachuted into. You know, he's another I do feel could flourish under Pochettino. So, again, it's a keep. Good safety net if we suffer injuries in the midfield too, which we we had a habit of, um, you know. My knee. Yeah, we had a habit. Uh, well, <laughs> well, what, what do you think? What do you think on uh, Gallagher? He really got me with it that time. Uh, <laughs> I, I would personally keep Gallagher. I think, you know, he's got the right mentality and he works hard. Not the best technically, but you can coach that. And, you know, if anyone can coach that, a, mm. a, a, a manager like Pochu, you know, is good at dealing with young players, should hopefully be able to maybe hone the the more technical aspects of his game a little better. Because I, I think he's he's got a lot of the intangible stuff you need in, to be a top player. So now it's just actually about the ability. I mean, everyone also forgets that Pochettino won a trophy last night in the UK, the Soccer Aid game, and he got Usain Bolt scoring goals. And we all know that born winner. (laughs) If he can make players score goals, that's what Chelsea need. Well, what do you think, Chris? Keep so alone on Connor. Keep. 
everything you just said about Mason Mount is actually true about Conor Gallagher as well. Yeah, he suits fair. a high he suits a high pressing style. If you look at him at Crystal Palace, the one thing he was good at was arriving late in the box and scoring goals. That's what Partino wants the player to do who sits behind Andy the striker. Yeah, I think he could play. I think he, I think actually we could actually see the best of Gallagher under under Partino and he wants to be there as well. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Right, this is going to be a quick one. Kovacic, look, sell. It looks clear the deal's going ahead. No point really saying any more. Any, anything on that? No, I, I, I uh, won't miss Kovacic too much, to be honest. No, I, I, think, <laughs> I think he'll do well. I think he'll do well at City. And, um, I think everyone does also, well at City. Yeah, but like, okay, so it's a, it's an easy <laughs> guess to make. But I think he will do well at City. As in, like, I think we'll see a, a slightly transformative difference between the player he is now and that yeah, City. Because I... I think in a in a in a better team, I think he he does a really good job. I, I think the Kovacic's main problem is is actually that he was more of a luxury player in a midfield that needed to not have any or like have you know in in a in a midfield that only needed kind of like one luxury player. We had quite a few, and yeah. Kovacic seemed to be like one of those who actually you know it wasn't really about the goals or the assists. It was more about the you know being able to break the press and and being resistant to that and dribbling well. But you mm. need more. You know what uh, we uh, we need. What we more. can what we can look forward to next year though is having to talk about all ev- all the fans saying what a mistake it was to let Kovacic go. Oh, when he's oh yeah, I love that. The the <laughs> I enjoy that. I'll enjoy that. I've Every really... time we ever sell a player, and then the second they have like a half decent performance, everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, we should never have sold him." It's uh, like yeah. if, you, if you are paralyzed by choice that much as a human <laughs> being, you you must please you know get some help because uh, I mean. Uh, the only the last player that Manchester City signed that didn't do well at City was probably Claudio Bravo, bless him. Uh, one yeah. player that's that quite we... a unique. That's a unique thing to to for, to happen to be like one of the mm. only players to yeah. go to City ages who've like really struggled. I yeah, guess we, you could say Calvin Phillips, couldn't you? Well, we've we've reason. given Claudio his sad flowers. We've given. <laughs> I mean, one player that his funeral. I, yeah, well, I, I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't leave, but. Carney Chukwemeka. I mean, I thought he was going to head out on loan after just making one league start this year and then he had the 10-minute cameo. But look, his recent performance against United and Newcastle have given me a bit, of, quite a lot of hope for his future at Chelsea. It'd be, it'd be a positive sight to have him in the squad since it's clear that he's eager to learn and grow. Keep. Thoughts? Yeah, exactly what you think, Mikey. I think Keep is, is about right. You know, there are arguments for him going on loan, but at the same time, I don't know. He's already got a lot of experience in playing in the Prem because he played a full season with Aston Villa. You know, mm. he's not really going to get more experience going elsewhere now. He, he he needs to play for us in the first team. Mm. Chris, yeah, I'd keep, but I think his uh, his major thing is he's got to stay fit next year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Uh finally, our youth players they're 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 yet to see their first team proper, though one sup has. Amari Hutchinson, Andre Santos, and Cesare Casade. What are your thoughts there? I would uh, personally want loans, um, probably for all of them, if possible. Um, mm. If not, if you know, if say only two of them say could go on loan, um, I would want Hutchinson and probably Casade to go on loan. Um, and I would rather have Santos be a part of the the first team going forward, just for the, especially because that need for a, a defensive midfielder, and he'd be decent backup for that. Yeah. Oh, what do you think, Chris? Hutchinson needs a loan, definitely. Uh, I, mm. I don't think he's going to be anywhere near the first team. 
next season. So he'd need to go out and play and then hopefully have sort of his breakout season. Yeah, yeah. championship uh, loan or like a lower prem loan would be yeah. good for him. The other two the other two's tough because really since we signed Santos, haven't really heard anything about him since. So I don't know how well, well or he, badly he, he's been doing. He was doing really well, wasn't he? Like he was scoring goals for fun in the in the he was the great Brazilian at the league. he was and great the, at the World uh, Cup. Yeah, it was, sorry, it was the it was the World Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, but since then, I haven't really heard anything about what he's been doing club wise. Um, I sorry, think, I think um, the championship, the under twenty championship, the World Cup yes, was yes, separate to one that he was in. Yeah, I think yeah. with both, I think with both of them, it will depend on pre season. Uh, I could see both yes. of them going out on loan, but I could see one of them staying around the squad. Just depends mm. on which one fits in better in pre-season. Yeah, yeah, I think given the amount of players potentially in midfield that are going to be leaving, mm. um, I think one of them at least needs to be around, in and around the first yeah, team. The, the doors, yeah. the doors ajar for one of them to take their chance. But like you know Chala, what? It's it... actually it's quite a nice thing for once. We're all, you know, like there's a clear pathway for a for a youth player. At, at yeah, Chelsea. exactly. I mean. Yeah. Both Amari and Cassidy for me loan, but but to Premier League sides because I don't want I don't want Cassidy going to Reading. It's not nothing yeah. against them, but a team in the relegation scrap is always so much more difficult to shine than yeah. a team with upbeat positivity. Look at Ian Matson. Would he have thrived in a relegation side? Possibly Absolutely. not. You're, you're because you're of that, right. that, you need that attitude within the dressing room and all that. And I think it's also a big deal. It's got to be. I would rather a top half championship loan than a bottom half prem loan. Almost mm. in, that, in that case, because I would the, the success actually in the way that shapes a player's mentality can yeah. really help them going forward and help them grow faster. What would you do, Chris? I'd be I'd be contacting Crystal Palace to see if they want any of them because everyone we send to Crystal Palace actually does well. Loftus Cheek went there, so did true. really well. Gallagher Colin went there, Gallagher Gay- did, yeah. went there really well. Yeah, yeah. Our, our Palace is like. The perfect club for us to loan someone to. Mm. I mean, I'd give I'd give Santos first team action. <laughs> Do you know what? It's oddly specific, but I, I, you know what? You're right, Chris. I think we should send everyone to Palace. Yeah, yeah, everyone's <laughs> going to Palace. I mean, I'd give Andre Santos first team action, especially in the preseason, because he, for me, has that aura of a player who's more mature, more experienced in his years. I mean, similar to how you look at Jude Bellingham. You know, he might only be 19, but you'd look to him and think that dude knows ball. You know, see how he does in preseason. Go from there. So. Uh, I have got one question, no dumb questions this week, uh, one we put out on Twitter, and it was, if you had to assemble a Chelsea back four of only forwards and wingers, which current or former Chelsea players would you choose and why? I, I've got one before I go to, to Chris on this. I've gone with a duo of Lukaku and Costa as my centre-backs because both tall, physical players. I would be Lukaku terrified. Lukaku was doing great at centre-back the other day. Uh, <laughs> he cleared City, wasn't he? <laughs> oh, he really was. I mean, I'd be terrified to take on any of those in a charity boxing match. Diego Costa would arguably more terrified, more terrifying centre-back to take on than, I don't know, Yapstam, Vidic. I mean, it's, it's Diego bloody Costa. Oh, come on. Uh, Left-back and right-back, I've got Damien Duff and Jesper Gronkia. Both had pace. And, and trust me, listeners, if you didn't get a chance to see Gronk play, he was certainly like a speedboat with no driver. You know, his afterburners would turn on. He'd be already past everyone. And then he'd sometimes flip his lines. We share a birthday as well. And that, for me, he gets a spot in my back four. He does have that iconic goal. But just look into what else, you know, his, his actual play on the ball. He he had a habit of um, fluffing his lines, bless. But anyway, Duff, a man. He had pace. He had the eye for the pass. He's the perfect man for the left-back role. So, Chris, have you got any ideas on your four? Uh, 
full bucks, I would go Willia. Whoa. You and pick, Pedro. Wow. No, you're you're fully you're you're fully correct on Willian. Yeah, Willian Willian would be a brilliant fullback. Yeah, mm. I I actually think he would, especially now in the modern game where they're more like wingers than defenders. And I think mm. Pedro the same. I think Pedro, he worked really hard. His recovery did, runs was yeah. always excellent. Uh, very good on the ball, good in tight situations to dribble out from the back. Centre backs, I would have Drogba. Yes. Uh, he was brilliant at defending his own box, to be fair. Really underrated, actually, I thought. Uh, Drogba and midfielders. Mm. Is it a bit of a cheat to put Michael Essie in there as he played centre-back for most of the time? <laughs> well, I mean, he's not. is he a forward? I don't think he played as a striker. We'll allow it. Yeah. Should we allow it? Yeah, we'll allow it. What yeah. about you, Ollie? Um, I, I actually, when you put this out on Twitter, I actually responded to it, but I've had some thoughts since and I've changed it slightly. Um, so at left back, I would, I would go with Mudrick, um, purely for pace and pace alone. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. There's That's... no other reason yeah, other, than, other than I just want someone quick on that side. On the right hand side, I went with William, same as Chris, nice. um, cause I think he'd be a brilliant fullback. Um, I think he, he would be like, if you, if you res- uh, resurrected, um, the form that Victor Moses had, and Ooh, you and yeah. you, I, I feel like you could get that out of William. I feel like yes. he really could, especially someone like Antonio Conte. I feel like he really could have done that at centre back. I've actually gone with. I was originally gonna say Costa, but I think actually he might be a bit too rash in the challenge. Mm, so yeah. uh, I'm gonna go with with <laughs> Drogba as one. Be, uh, be, so I'm gonna go with a pair who actually are quite. A, a decent in the air. So I'm going to start with Drogba, who's obviously very aerially commanding and, and he can be the one to step out. The The actual other one that I'm going for, and you're go- I'm going to get roasted for this, is Kai Havertz. Um, because oh, okay. actually, he's tall and he does win a lot of headers. Um, mm. And he can't score at one end of the pitch, so maybe <laughs> if he tries yeah, to score true. in the other goal, <laughs> then he'll defend it really oh, well. Man. I, I, <laughs> that. You, that was I, good. I'll tell you who else would have been good at left-back, actually, just thinking about it now. Flavon Maluda. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. Right. Thank you for listening to the episode. Hope treat yourself well, as always. Um, we have come to the end and we will be back on Friday to discuss forwards as we finish off our Keep Sell Loan series for the class of 22-23. So till then, that will be us signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.